I would go back and listen and go, stupid, stupid, stupid. You said the wrong thing and now it's there forever. Hello. Hi, Merlin Man. What's up? Good morning, Dan. How are you? I am well. How's everything going up there? Way up there. All the way up here. All the way up there in the, the hub of uh, WWDC's future location, Moscone. You're broadcasting live and direct uh, from the steps in front of Moscone. What's the scene like there today? Dan, I'm broadcasting live from the steps of Moscone. <laughs> it's really Moscone-ish. <laughs> hmm. So that was, uh, they did a lottery. Right. Did you sign up for that? Because I know you're a, you love WWDC. You go there every year, never miss it. Yes. And so um, that's a lottery. <laughs> and the thing is, this, this time you have to, <clears throat> you put in, your, you try and get, you get a chit. And then they get back to you what? and let you know whether a chit, a chit, you know, oh, look it up, a chit. Hanging Chad. Hanging Chad. <laughs> that sounds like a bad Keanu Reeves movie. Uh-huh. Keanu Reeves is Hanging Chad. Um, I, uh, no, no, no. Um, but, uh, and, then, and then, so I, I'm seeing people, it's hard to tell because everybody's always being silly. But so some people got in and other people didn't get in. So what? Is that right? Right. One, one gets in, one doesn't. <laughs> Uh, no, so I think John Syracuse has not gotten in, and this is well, bad for him because heart, did he have his heart set on it? Well, he, for the, oh, for the OS ten review, yeah, he has to do his monster OS ten review, and uh, the only way that he can get the insider info without having to watch videos, he wants you know he wants to, he doesn't travel much, and this is it. the only thing he does in a, in a whole year is go to this thing. He'll have to use his vacation time. He'll use it's whatever a week time, of vacation yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so John didn't get it. It sounds like you got one. No, I did not. I was. I, people think that you know how he like on Twitter would be like, uh, "How do you remove blood stains from your floor?" Asking for a friend. I was actually asking for a friend. Uh, Why would you say that? Is that bad? Well, I mean, everybody knows that that's a joke. That means it's actually. I mean, I was early and it was before coffee. Should I delete the tweet? I feel bad yes. now. All right, you should I'll, delete your account and start over. Start right, a new hang account. On, I'm deleting it right now. I'll, I'll give you the credits for Dan Benjamin. All right. Oh, that's you. Hmm? Nothing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, but but you know, it's interesting. They were talking about this on, I guess, on ATP. Yeah, about how how you could improve this system. It's, <laughs> you know, two two stories this week. I mean, hearing them talking about the how the WWDC thing, like just the massive flood of traffic that they get when they were trying to do the first come first serve system, that right. even Apple couldn't keep that up yeah and then and then i mean the whole like hbo go thing it seems it's still it seems so strange uh as a consumer that that still isn't a solved problem right new I mean, game of thrones comes out and right you, you know you can't watch it if you're on hbo go you get a you have to dvr it like a like an animal like an animal mm-hmm. yeah i mean i i guess i mean i know enough i know just enough to know that that's a complicated problem and i remember talking to somebody at google years ago i think I think maybe um, Chris Weatherall was saying, like, you know, we can we can model this and test this like a million different ways, but we still never really know what's going to happen until it goes live. You know, even you know, this is back even then. Google still had the Google sauce, right? They had already kind of gotten super good at the scale stuff. But isn't that interesting that that still is something that is not a solved problem? All of the things that seem like HBO could do with our subscriber money, if they were really on top of the trend would be to invest in a bigger infrastructure for for this. I mean, all the signs point to the fact that HBO Go could probably do really well for themselves 
if they focused on delivering streaming content in even a quarter or an eighth of as much as they want to do giving it to the, the awful cable providers. Everybody that I know, everybody that I know would be like, can't cut cable because I need HBO. You know, you've got to sign in when you want to use HBO Go and you're on Time Warner Cable or Comcast or whatever. Uh, you want to, you know, you have to put in your like credentials in order to use HBO Go. Apparently they don't care very much if you can, if you use it on multiple computers. I don't did know they, how did they, they actually, track. did they really say that? They did I mean, say everybody's been, everybody was talking about that on they Sunday night. They did say that, yeah. So they've been like kind of winking and I nudge. Bet they did care this... about it now. Right. Yeah, you know how how much of that, how much of the fact that people couldn't watch their Game of Thrones on Sunday night when it came out is because people had shared their accounts with every single human that they know. I think there's a big part of it to that. Now um, they care. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't. I Are you like into Game of Thrones? It's a good show. Okay. I don't. I feel like I shouldn't say too much because I know so very little about all of it, except for what I can perceive as being the complexities. Yeah. Of, of that. I mean, you know, it's, I'm, I'm reminded probably inappropriately, but reminded of the dot-com days when people were, the large companies were making their, the dot-coms were making their first cut at doing a grocery delivery business. And the famous, you know, lesson from that was how many companies realized that they weren't in the grocery business. They were in the truck <laughs> maintenance yeah, right. business. Right. So, I mean, like for somebody to come out, whether that's web van or, was it Peapod or any of those? I mean, you know, really ultimately what you were doing, and there were, there were all kinds of different ways where they tried to innovate, where they, I think one of the ideas was they were going to basically like drop off, I'm, I might be hallucinating this, but, mm-hmm. you know, doing things like in, in areas where there would be a lot of deliveries, have basically like a semi, a uh, refrigerated semi, they would have a bunch of the stuff in it that would let them work remotely. But what they discovered, I, I think this is still a lesson that holds true, is that you were really in the you know, in the trucking business is what you were in that it was, it was, you know, it was incidental or mostly biz dev related what you were delivering, but really you were in the trucking business and that's a complicated business. Yeah. So, and when you look at something like HBO go, I mean, it's, first of all, you got to give HBO as a company credit for like how much great TV they've given us in the last 20 years now, uh, whenever, I guess Sopranos, I think, or maybe Sex in the City, I think of those shows as being like the early ones where, you know, or, you know, from my, from my point of view, Mr. Show in the nineties, um, earlier nineties, they, you know, it's pretty great that they were able to say, look, you know, this is really about people subscribing to HBO. It's not about who's going to get the biggest numbers this week, but they learned early on. And that's, I mean, I think you could in large part credit HBO for how great TV was able to become in the years after that. So, you know, good on them for that. But, you know, it's, again, it's a legacy model in some ways. It's not, in some ways, it's not so different from national or um, from public radio in general, where you get a show like This American Life, which has millions of subscribers, Radio Lab, On the Media, a show like On the Media. I I used to talk about On the Media uh, years ago. And people had no idea what I was talking about because I don't think it was extremely well distributed, but we got it here on KQED. But mm-hmm. now it's like a super duper popular podcast and that's made that show really you know, well known and presumably more profitable because they can point to those kinds of numbers. So I don't know, in, in the case of all those kinds of things where it's almost like a franchise model or that kind of subscription model, right. <clears throat> you see this evolution in the business where that's a real, it's a real different kind of problem to solve. <laughs> if Google if Google can't keep a new service up 
you know, on the first or second day, you know, that's not going to be trivially easy, trivially easy for somebody like HBO. Right. But I mean, what goes into something like that? Did that, that's, they didn't build all of that themselves, did they? I mean, wouldn't they outsource a lot of that? Yeah, to a company I have no that idea. Like, like there has to be, I don't think there's like a, other than Google, maybe, I don't think there's like a company you call that says, we have millions and millions and millions of people who want our high definition content streamed to them. Can you turn that key? Like, I, I think that has to be a, a big problem. This has to be a huge challenge. I mean, the companies that, that, uh, the, I'm mean, Apple, obviously they have a pretty good handle on it. Netflix, and uh and 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 google probably the the three that know how to do it and they have trouble and i don't think i don't think hbo goes just riding on top of of one of their infrastructures think they tried to build their own i don't know akamai i don't know it makes me yeah i guess i I mean but there's so many that stack has so many layers to it i mean it's beyond just like getting a cdn or something obviously there's so many moving parts to that and then you know the it just seems like the again as an outsider consumer looking in just that whole Sort of like Marcus talked about in the past with, you know, you don't want to overbuy. You don't want to buy right. a month of service for what's going to be one hour. Yeah. Of, like, is there any way Apple could buy, could basically buy or build enough to, with a, with a cushion of comfort, be able to withstand no matter how many people tried to sign up for WWDC at the same time? Well, clearly they must think the answer to that is no. Yeah. It, it, the amount of what would have to go into just sustaining even that first 30 seconds of people landing on the site. Right. It's, it's pretty mind boggling. But the, the thing that's also interesting to me is like, um, it's, it's interesting to me that HBO is so, um, seemingly lackadaisical about people sharing those credentials. Right. right. That, yeah. So for the people who weren't, who don't know what we're talking about, HBO, I think the CEO of HBO, I could be wrong about who it was. Well, you need, you need to be, here, let's, let's say why this is important. You, as I understand it, do you have HBO Go? Yes. Okay. So you have to be subscribed to HBO on your local cable provider. Right. I mean, legally, right? You've yes. got to, let's, and this will be important in a minute, but in order to get H, I can't get HBO Go because we don't have HBO. You are, you are not a paying HBO subscriber through your local cable network. Company. Right. So I could get the app, but I think in order to sign up, you have to get those credentials from, in my case, Comcast. Correct. That, that's correct. So the step, step one, I'm, I guess this is all obvious to everybody else in the world. But then I don't remember when it happened exactly, but you take over here. But they basically said, hey, <laughs> you know, we're not like, I guess they're not policing it or they're not enforcing it uh, all that carefully. Right. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what they said. They just said, you know, we, we know people share it. That's okay. They kind of, that's paraphrasing, but that's essentially what they said is like, we know people share their logins and uh, access to HBO Go. And there's an HBO Go password as well, other things. And, and pe- they know people are sharing it and they're all right with that. Um, I guess, or, but now when you look at something like that, like Game of Thrones, like Zach was saying earlier on, on Amplified, um, he's like, yeah, I, I still can't watch Game of Thrones. Like, this is how he would like to watch it. This is how he watches it. It's still not on HBO Go. So, you know, here we are paying for these stupid, uh, these stupid cable boxes that you know that we've got to use for certain things. You know, we've got to DVR stuff. Uh, yeah, well, that's a whole other thing I'd be happy to talk about. But the, the, the reason I mention it here is <clears throat> I feel like I don't know if this has changed in the since the last time I tried this, but I, I'm pretty sure that in the past, um, if one person in our house is watching Netflix on 
the Apple TV and another person fires up Netflix on the iPad, I'm pretty sure you can't use those both at the same time. At least I remember at least once in the past, I feel like I'm pretty sure mm. it said there's already somebody using this or something to that effect. It's possible. Okay. So that's one example. And, and I think that's pretty understandable, but the one that really gets me, I mean, think about how the local cable providers must feel about HBO doing that. And, and the, the example here, what if, what if Apple said it's okay with us and like, we're not, we're not going to, we're not going to police or enforce this. It's okay with us if you guys start sharing login. So if 35 people are using the same iTunes match login or are, have access to that same library, can you imagine how the movie studios would flip? Oh my gosh. Cause that's, you know, they're, they're the gatekeepers of that. So, I mean, you know, it's, you've got to protect, you know, you've got to be able to protect the legacy model that's keeping you in business while you're figuring out what to do next and taking baby steps toward doing it. And, you know, in the case of something, again, back to public radio, I was at a conference uh, a few years ago for a public radio thing. And some of the local people, they're like the second station in town after KQED is KLW. And they had just dropped Prairie Home Companion because it was something like, I think like half a million dollars a year or something, $200,000. It was something really expensive for a small station to have. And that's a, that's, that's not a great example. A better example might be Fresh Air, which I think is also a pretty costly show. I get the podcast, I get the full version of Fresh Air in a podcast the day after it comes out. Yeah, It's not, I mean, I still, if it's on live, I'll listen to it at 9 a.m. on KLW or listen at 1 p.m. on, you know, KQED. But the point is, like, if you can wait a day, it's out there for free. They're giving it away, which I, I have to imagine must be incredibly frustrating to the member stations. But those, because they need those member station dollars in order to produce the show. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, it's a very and and, and all of this is changing so quickly, uh, especially in terms of what radio has done for a long time, what TV has done for a long time. This is all changing, and listen, it, a lot of it's because of podcasts. A lot of it's because we're walking around with iPhones and Androids in our pocket, and we can get the you know, even with the iPod, it's like okay. I'm going to go to iTunes now and it will check and refresh the podcast that I listen to and a new episode comes out. Cool. Now I will plug in my iPod and I will download it to my iPod and I will listen to that when I'm at the gym. Now it's like Castro is going to tell me when there's a new download. You know, right. it, it downloaded it for me and it's telling me that it's ready to play now, right now. That's way better than having to plug something in and it's way better than having to say, oh, it's such and such a time. I need to run to the radio and put NPR on. Who wants to do that? I'll wait bet, a day to listen to Fresh Air. Who cares? I, I happen to totally agree. I, I, would sus I suspect that one part of it, honestly, um, is a split somewhere between um, I want to watch this as soon as I possibly can. Like, but, but combined with the, like, I want to be able to talk about this on Twitter while other people are watching it, something along those lines. But I mean, you know, when, um, like when a new, when the doctor who on like Christmas day came out, like mm. I, I, God, I would have killed to have that as fast oh, as yeah, I could. Yeah. But, but you know what they're, you know, I don't want to get into it, but it is, I think what you're describing is, is absolutely true. Look at, look at Apple TV. I mean, every, it seems like Sunday is the day that almost every TV show we watch comes out. And then on Monday morning, I, I see in my inbox how many different, you know, a new episode of Archer is available. I mm -hmm. think Archer might actually be Monday. I'm not sure. But, you know, a new episode of, you know, whatever it is, all the things that we have subscribed to 
on iTunes. It'll say all these things are available. But there's, I have to, this sounds, this is so first world, but like it's actually super frustrating to me that you don't get them like even that same day. There's always like at least, you know, an overnight that you have to wait to get those things. So, and with Adventure Time, it's super crazy mm-hmm. because like if there's, if there's a new episode of Adventure Time, let's just say, a, a hair from a friend that it's out there if you want to get it within minutes after it's over. Yeah. And I, but the thing is, <laughs> like I, however it. long it takes to compress, yeah. you know, convert and compress and upload a file, it's out there. But I mean, let me just stipulate. I mean, we subscribe to a lot of TV shows via iTunes. And it, but it, it's funny how, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's, I, I think hmm, this doesn't really go anywhere, but I think that's the same problem that the, the music companies faced a few years ago that I think iTunes really helped people to address, which is that, you know, you've, you've now, you've succeeded at something that was so costly to do for years, which is you have created a, a an army, um, um, not an army, a, you've, you've created an audience of literally millions of people who cannot wait to get everything you could possibly give them as fast as possible. The only problem they hadn't solved was how to charge for it in a way that was satisfactory to them because there were other ways to do it. And so I think in some ways iTunes has really helped that. And if you want to go buy an album, you can go buy it and get it right now and like have it, have it on your phone, like before the plane takes off. Yeah. That's pretty bananas. Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see how they finally figure out don't you think HBO is eventually going to kind of, I don't know. It seems like they would have to crack down on the I whole share. I hope, I'll tell you what, I hope they do. And the reason that I hope they do is for a very selfish reason in that when a show does come out, I want to be able to watch it right away. And I have to think that if their system is being strained, it's because of this kind of sharing and, and, and things like that. And I'm, I don't have a problem paying companies to use their services or to get their content I want their pricing to be fair and I want to know that if I have paid and the main reason that we have cable is for like HBO and things like that. I want to know that if I've paid for it, that I can use it in the way that they advertise I should be able to use it. And, you know, and that means being able to watch something on an HBO go. Like I really hope that, that they do crack down on it. And in return, what they give us is the ability to just get HBO go without having to pay time Warner cable to, to watch it. That's the the deal that I would really, really be happy with because I know tons of folks who would pay, I don't know, 10 bucks a month, 15 bucks a month, Netflix style pricing to have HBO. I think it'd be great. Oh, I would, I would, I would do it in a heartbeat. And, you know, it's always weird to me because Xbox just came out with some, Microsoft Xbox is going to be doing what Netflix is doing and coming up with like, you know, their own unique programming and TV shows and like what they did with, with Kevin Spacey and House of Cards changed the game totally. Have you watched that show? Mm-hmm. I'm good. not, I haven't watched season two yet. And, uh, and I'm just watching, like, don't ruin it for me. I'm watching the finale of House of Cards coming up. Be careful but, about where you agree to meet Kevin Spacey at night. That's all I'm going to say. About okay. That. I will keep that in mind, but it's just, it's, you know, it's one of those things that, that, that really changed the whole game. And I've been saying this for a while. Look at true detective. Like that was an eight hour movie that I waited all week long to watch. And I loved it. And I, the best stuff that I'm seeing for me isn't in the theaters. It's, you know, it's coming on HBO, Netflix, that kind of thing. Like that's the stuff that I really, really dig. And once lost went off TV, there's almost nothing on regular network TV that I, that I care about missing. I agree with you. And I, I think the, the I'm thing that's happy about it, I'm just saying, well, I mean, the other part is, I mean, even, even somebody who's uh, willing to open their wallet for all the things that they enjoy, it, it becomes, 
I think almost um, onerously costly if you have to swim out to all these different little islands. You buy every little TV puck that comes out. You subscribe to every little service. I mean, there was a time when, I, well, I think to this day, that's why things work the way they do with cable, is that bundling is what enables them to make money. Nobody's going to go out and, and choose choose to buy like ESPN 35 or whatever. That, the fact that they bundle that in is, as I mean, that's just a conventional wisdom at this point. Right. But the part the part that's... I guess frustrating or the part that I keep wondering how this will end up getting solved. You know, I used to, the guy that I used to do websites with most of my career in the nineties, we always used to joke about, you know, the internet will never be the internet and will never, the internet will never catch on in the same way as TV until it's as dependable as TV. Like mm-hmm. you never go, you never go to NBC at eight o'clock and see 404 friends not found. <laughs> right. And, and you never, it isn't like you come home sometimes and your power is off. Right. And you wonder what you did wrong. Yeah. Like your power's on, like the power's there. Like yeah. that, that, you depend on that. You never turn on your water and have gelatin come out. It's something where like, even what's funny is even as all the content got so much better since the era of the Sopranos, it's all just gotten so great. At the same time, like it feels like at every step of the way, as these companies figure it out, we have these weird trade-offs, you know, where they want to cut expenses, they want to like, I don't know. It's just, it, I guess what it comes down to, and I hate to turn this into a rock on the line, but like to me, it's 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 very much the same feeling I get with like flying, where you're like, listen, I'm not asking for anything extraordinary here. I, I you asked me to pay money, and I paid the money. I would like you to do what you said you'd do for me when I gave you that money. And it's a little bit tricky if you don't help me fix this. If this flight gets canceled and you don't really, like, (laughs) if you leave the onus on me to make lots of calls to figure that out, or or in John's case, run around an airport to try and find somebody to fix this problem, somebody who's got the juice. In that same case, like, you know, I was talking to Syracuse about this, my ongoing thing of trying to figure out where in my little miniature technology stack my Apple TV is falling down. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, and I still haven't figured it out. He was helping me try and troubleshoot this a little bit. But like, is it my cable connection? Is it the router? Is it the airport? Is it that, what is it that's causing these, these problems that I get like three times a week? Because I, I, I bet you that it's not the kind of thing that's, that Steve ever wanted us to have, was the idea of flipping it on and iTunes unavailable. As I bitched about this more, I've discovered how many people have that same problem. That's the part that I think is, makes this all so interesting is, you know, it used to be that friends appeared like clockwork. You watched the ads like clockwork. You bought the products and supported the show, I guess. And now today, it's, it really feels like it's the Wild West all over again. You know, we like our, our connections are more are more secure, but we're still not to the point where it's like a utility, and it's it's there's still so much shaking out that like, in terms of like which entertainment you choose to purchase and how, it still feels a little bit like you're putting a bet on a horse. Oh, it no, it totally does, and it's all all of this stuff. It's so crazy up in the air, and I think that's what's different today about the way content works. Or, or the way that these kinds of services work as the way that it was a long time ago. Like I remember, this is going to sound weird to our young listeners, but I remember when cable came out. Like I remember when HBO cable was a weird thing and you, you really only had a few channels on cable and you'd get a, ta- a cable box and it would sit up on top of the TV. And ours had, I absolutely love this. And I would, if, if we have any listeners who still have one of these things, send, send it to me, please, because I'm, I love this thing. It was a black box and it had a silver dial on the top of it. The very sturdy silver dial with 100 positions on the dial. 
for the potential hundred channels that might one day exist. But really there was only like five or six of them. And if I remember right, HBO was 18 and you had 14, 14, 14 for you. Yeah. And, and you would, you wouldn't, you weren't like, this thing wasn't on all the time. You would turn your TV. So you'd had your regular TV channels and when, Oh, Let's let's watch a movie. Let's see what HBO is going to give us tonight. And you would flip a switch on your TV so that now you would switch it from, you know, regular, uh, uh, you know, VHF to UHF or whatever was was the auxiliary name for it back then. I can't remember. You'd switch it to this and then now you'd be looking through the you know, through the few channels that was on your cable box and you'd turn that dial to 18 and there would be HBO and you'd watch it when you were done and you wanted to watch the news or something, you would flip the TV back to regular TV mode. And, mm-hmm. and, and this was all done by standing up and walking over to the TV and turning something with your hand. And that's how we used to watch TV back in those days. That adoption of that, going from that to... All of your channels are now coming through cable to we have remote controls for everything to high definition. That was like a slow process of getting from that to to what we have now. But streaming stuff, that comes so quickly. The, the, the fact that we have all of this content mm-hmm. and it's on demand and it's instant. I mean, we've been DVRing stuff for a while, but compared to the history of TV, all of this stuff has happened recently in the blink of an eye. And I don't think anybody knows what the next thing is or what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. I mean, it was, it feels like for the first maybe 10 to 15 years that I was, I mean, I know cable's been around in some form or fashion since like the sixties, Yeah, but, but you know, for people who are in remote areas, um, and I remember an article in Dynamite magazine when I was uh, the kids magazine when I was probably about, you know, 10 reading about cable TV. And it sounded so magical that you could get all of this, this stuff. And I, uh, I it seems like for the first few years of that, it was really about increasing the number of channels. And so, and, yeah. and like you say, I mean, you know, like, gosh, anybody who was over the age of like 30 would have such a difficult time. They were, they'd gotten so used to using like a channel clicker to go through the two through 13 channels. And you can, had to just tell them, leave it on three. You have to leave it on three and then change the box. And they're like, that's insane. That's such a step backwards. Right. But you're right. I mean, the idea of a dial with a hundred numbers on it was, was ridiculous. Cause I think I, I would be surprised if we had more than 20 channels when we first got cable in like right. 1981. But, um, yeah, no, you're right. Did you want to tell me about something you like? I would love to tell you about a, a nice little thing I call busy Cal. You may have heard of this. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the busy Cal, this is what it is. It's an alternative to the built in calendar app on Mac OS 10, but they just, it, everything about busy Cal is designed to make it easy to take the pain out of managing your schedule, managing your tasks, managing the things that, uh, that, that you do. And there's, there's so much, I mean, so many features, Merlin, you're a big busy Cal fan and, uh, and you know, you, you use it in ways that, uh, I don't even know if they imagined when they built the software, <laughs> uh, but it's really great. I mean, even just, just, just for the info panel that lets you view and edit events, the smart filters that let you display custom views, the alarms with custom snoozes. I mean, different kinds of alarms. You want to snooze in a different way. Every, like they thought of everything. They got integrated weather. They got moon phases. You can change the appearance of the calendar with custom fonts, make it look the way you want it to look. It'll import all of your stuff from Apple calendar and it still syncs up with it. So if for some reason you want to use calendar, like you can still use it. It's not like it's gone and you're, you're, you know, stuck with only one view of your data. You can use whatever you want. 
ties in with Exchange, iCloud, Google Calendar, CalDAV servers if you want to host this stuff yourself, third-party calendar apps on iOS. You might you know, you might want to use a uh, fantastical or one of these other ones on iOS. That's so fine. Use busy calendar desktop. It, 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 it's stable. It's reliable. And, uh, and there's something else that they, they've been talking about, uh, besides all of the, the, the custom views and stuff, busy contacts, which has tags. It's got multi-column table view. It's got smart filters, busy cal integration, address book sharing. All of this stuff was just announced at Macworld, and uh, and and they've got a public beta coming out soon. So check out busy contacts too. I but, can't wait. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, all of this stuff just it, they're bringing that to. Con- it's so cool. The tagging stuff is is, is so cool. Anyway, you go to bi- get a, a free thirty day trial from busymac.com. and if you like it. When you're ready, you can buy it. You can buy it there. You can go to the Mac App Store and buy it. It's $49.99 there. Well worth the price. Going to change the way you you manage your schedule. BusyMac.com. Go check them out. Thanks very much to BusyMac for supporting 5x5 and back to work with uh, Merlin Mann in San Francisco. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. It's a great app. I really uh, I really rely on it. Um, it's, it's so polished. It's a great app. Pick your own um, fonts. Oh, I do. I do. I make, <laughs> I make, I make some things uh, like really like grayed out and other things like super bright and big and mm-hmm. makes me happy. Um, can we do one bit of uh, fake follow-up? Yeah. And actually I have, I have one uh, too. I'll bet you do. Never, <laughs> never, Dan, in yeah. the history of back to work, have we heard from so many <laughs> okay. angry Irishmen. <laughs> That's what, that was mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it turns we would out. Just like to clar- turns out we like to clarify one bit of uh, geographical information. Yes, this is my error, I think. Uh, it turns out that Dublin, Ireland, is not in the UK. I did not know that. But- I, I, I kind of thought it was. You thought it was in the UK? <laughs> Sometimes I thought it was in the UK. Ask somebody, I did this with iMichael one time uh-huh. on a phone call. I said, I, explain to me the difference between England, Britain, Great Britain, the British Isles, the United Kingdom, and the British Empire. Like, explain, explain to me what each one of those means. Yeah. And there's a, I mean, obviously some of them are more or less synonymous, but I think in particular, like, UK, British Isles, they mean pretty different things. I just think of it... I'm not going to say what I think of it. I just want to apologize. Mm-hmm. You don't want to anger the Irish. Yes. They're, they're, of, of all of the non-UK European <laughs> cities to not anger, <laughs> they're don't the ones to not anger. Yeah. Don't mess with Dublin. And so uh, I am, I'm, we're both sorry. I'm especially sorry for thinking, uh, even for one second, that uh, Dublin was either uh, part of the UK or even part of Ireland. Now, I'm not even sure it's in Ireland. So I apologize uh, to the folks in Ireland and the UK and Dublin for my mistake. When, when people, um, g- good people, good people, friends, <laughs> listeners, fans, people, uh, haughtily correct me on something really boneheaded that I should have gotten right, I always feel a little bit, I, I mean, on the one hand, I'm like, well, you know what? A part of me said, thinks, you know, hey, you know what, suck a nut. You try, to, you try talking for an hour and a half without saying something wrong. But the other part of me is like, I can't believe how much, there's so many things I don't really know or that I know wrong. It's remarkable that there are more things that I don't get wrong all the time. 
Yeah, I mean, I just it's the I, least. Believe me, Dublin's in the UK is the least of my problems. <laughs> right. We don't want fact checkers looking at this show. No, no, no. I'm not. You know me. I, I don't. Uh, I'm not a Schadenfreude kind of guy. But uh, there, I do take special delight. This has happened hmm, half a dozen times where friends of mine have made an appearance as a guest on a podcast, and they will. Uh, let me just stipulate, guys. This is not hard work, but it's nice to get a note from somebody who goes, "Oh my god." That was so much harder than I expected. Mm-hmm. I had no idea how many things <laughs> I would go back and listen and go, just stupid, stupid, stupid. You said the wrong thing and now it's there forever. You got to get past that, Dan. You got You just got to be willing to be wrong yeah. almost all the time. I think that's the key. <sighs> how you feeling? Um, I feel good. I don't, you know what? I don't even want to mention it. Oh, come on. I, I live in constant fear of the child getting a cold. It's becoming a thing now. Where I talked about this a couple weeks ago because after we finally, I feel like Dan at this point, I feel like we're alternating months. There's like a month of sick, <laughs> right. a month of less sick, and then a, like it just happens again. Uh, and I've become like a crazy person with the hand washing because I believe in my heart that it that it really makes a difference. I know, and I know it does, but it's tough it's, when you're in you're in a house with a child. You're not going to like. Oh, did she use that fork? I better I not use a fork. It gets the house. I don't think it gets the house. I told you this. I think this is the distinction between her wonderful preschool and her wonderful elementary school. They were like crazy people at her at her preschool about like when oh, you yeah. arrive, like you know something that I think is still this sounds nuts unless you're around kids. If you're not around kids, God bless you, enjoy your life. But if you're around kids, like the idea of like they had a rule at her school when you when you arrive at school, you wash your hands. And uh, then as far as parent facing activities, when you leave school, you wash your hands. How crazy is that? But also anytime there's a transition, you go and you wash your hands. That sounds so crazy and so compulsive, but I think she got, I, 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 I'm, you know, this is not a controlled study. This is not, you know, um, not hermetically sealed. It's not a hermetically sealed longitudinal study, (laughs) but in my anecdotal, in my anecdotal, my anecdotal observations of things (laughs) that I've seen and noticed, um, I think she gets sick probably at least twice, perhaps three times as often as she used to. Yeah. You're still being around filthy little kids. Oh, the boogers. Do you think, you know, what's weird to me that I don't get is the, the teachers have really, it seem to have an immunity to like everything. The teachers are not getting sick. That's interesting. The teachers are in there all the time with the kids, not getting sick. And the kids are all, I mean, I guarantee you, if you went to your preschool, if you went to your kindergarten, your first grade, I would say there's, there's probably, if they're out of a class of 15 kids, there's two or three that are going to be out at any given time sick. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily warrant the email of, you know, there is a stomach flu going through the school, which we get those a lot. (laughs) I love that. Like, what are you going to do? Oh, I'm not sending my kid to school. No, you're still going to send them. You just get, you just like, okay, I guess we're getting the stomach flu. Like, that's what it means. I mean, you will have the stomach flu within the next two weeks. Because yeah, it's going, up. it's moving through the school. Heads up, you're going to be pretty miserable in about six days. Pick a nice long book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're touching all of them. I mean, they're around all the kids all the time. They're looking at their artwork. You know, there's probably boogers all over everything. <sighs> but it's a lot, it's a lot of infrastructure to be able to do that. I don't know. I don't know. It's not interesting. Um, but, uh, but, uh, what has you know, happened to the show? Do you think What are, the show is fine? Okay. You, you want to talk about productivity? I was thinking we comics. Talk- we haven't talked about comics. Oh, it makes people so mad, Dan. 
Uh, I would love to talk about comics. I would love to talk about productivity. Uh, I, you know, I look through. I look through. Um, I've noticed that we we uh, we we do get people who want to talk about topics, but we we seem to get more and more like testimonials from people the, in the email. Yeah, 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 yeah. In the in the feedback from from listeners, it seems Testify. like we get, we get more and more like confessions from people. <laughs> Like that, like taxi cab confessions. What am I? What am I? St. Augustine. Uh, and so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's funny. Um, but, uh, you know, I was looking for topics and stuff and there's, uh, you know, there's always the topics that come up. We could talk about, we could talk about, uh, listener mail or we could, we could certainly talk about comics. It's fine with me. Or we could talk more about this, the changing, uh, the changing, uh, in, uh, app and uh, interactive technology, uh, ecosystem environment. Mm-hmm. Cause that's interesting stuff. I don't know. It is, you know what though? I'm just one last thing, maybe about uh, what we we're talking about. It is really crazy, crazy and super interesting. How when you say how quickly things are changing? I mean, it's. Uh, I, I guess maybe it's just partly just getting older and, and and being more surprised at how quickly these things change. But think about like how long. Um, only mention this in passing. I was there's a new pod, uh, not a new to me podcast that I like a lot called "You Are Not So Smart," and it's uh it's it's yeah, we'll put it in show notes. But it's um you know it's 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 this guy going out. He wrote a book with the same name, and it's it, it is a little bit turns out, but it's very well done, and it's a lot of things related to I would say cognitive bias, like wh- why it is that we think incorrectly about things, why it is that we are you know we see things wrong or we process information wrong, and he had a really interesting episode. Recently, and forgive me, I don't remember the guy's name, but um, you could Google that. He uh, had a really good episode recently about David McCraney. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, Talking about like why, why we keep predicting the future wrong. And like, you know, why it is we think there's going to be rocket cars, but there's not going to be rocket cars. And, you know, to, for me to massacre it in a nut, you know, it's, there is, uh, I say, what was that term Syracuse used one time? There's that bias uh, toward, I'm not awake yet, but there's the bias that's based upon like, you know, what we have access to knowing about right now. And, you know, it's, it's why, for example, everything in 50s science fiction looked like a TV, everything in 60s science fiction looked like a rocket and so forth. Like we can only really, we can only predict the future based upon, oh, what's the name of that cognitive bias? Oh, it's going to kill me. It's the one that assumes that I'm always going to be the way that I am right now. You know what I mean? I've heard of this, but uh, maybe some of the listeners. Future, maybe somebody else can come up with it. But, uh, it, but, but, you know, it's partly why we think that when we try to conjecture about our future, if you were to think about entertainment, um, even like f- I want to say 10 years ago, but let's say even before TiVo, you know, if you imagine people saying to you in like 1999, like you're going to be, you're going to be paying $3 for an episode of runway under the gun that you'll download through a set top device. You're going to pay $3 to watch a TV show. If somebody said that to me, I would be like, are you, you're, you're a maniac. There's like 11 things wrong with that. Like, first of all, I would never pay for an individual TV show. TV's free. What are you, simple? Like, look, it's all out there. You just watch TV. <laughs> Should we just acknowledge the garble and go on? We had, we, you know what just happened? We just had a weird Skype issue and we're just going to continue with it. We'll do a sponsor and we'll keep, we'll keep going. Dan, could you tell me about something? Tell me about something you like. I would like to tell you about Squarespace. I love these folks. They're based in New York. They have made an all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or portfolio or online store. If you're a musician, you can put your stuff up there. 
they really make it so easy to do all of this stuff. And a lot of people come to me on the streets and they stop me and they say, Merlin, Dan, Merlin, they say, they call me Merlin. Hmm, and they, it's weird. And they say, Merlin told me that I should try Squarespace, but I'm concerned because I've been using other stuff. My content is elsewhere. My content is in a different system. There's a good chance that you can get your content right out of that system with Squarespace. They will import from most of the major blogging platforms that exist. They will import your content into Squarespace and you can do this. Here's how to cheat the system. You sign up for the free trial over at Squarespace. And while you're in your free trial, you import all of your old content. You start working with their templates. You see the one that you like. You customize it. You tweak it. You put all your stuff into it. And you're basically, your site is up and running with all of your old content in their beautiful new system. You can see if you like it. You don't like it. Just let the trial expire and walk away. But I'm confident that you will like it because they've thought of everything. Really, everything. And for eight bucks a month starting out, you sign up for a year, you get a free domain name. You're going to get 24-7 support. You get the live chat. You get the email. But the amazing thing is the drag and drop content. And I've been doing a whole lot of this. You can embed galleries, image galleries. You can embed all the stuff you do as a musician. It's just, it's genius what they've thought of. And the fact that we used to have to do this by hand, we used to have like write code and, oh, but you want to write code? You can still do that. You want to do fancy stuff with JavaScript? There's a way for you to do all of that. You can embed your code right there. Can't make something look exactly the way that you want it to look in their template. If that happens, you can put your own code in. You've got control over the whole thing and you don't need to worry because they're going to keep it up and running. They're going to make sure your stuff is always there. Built-in contact forms, I mean, integration with Google Docs, you name it. It's all there. You're going to get 10% off when you start out with these folks. Code is still tooth fairy. <laughs> to- tooth fairy. So you go to squarespace.com slash back to work or just use the code tooth fairy. You're going to get 10% off. Go check them out. They are uh, wonderful folks over there. Uh, longtime supporters of, uh, of this program and, and other shows here on 5 by 5 So thanks very much uh, to squarespace.com for supporting back to work. Dan Benjamin. I, uh, uh, you know, it's great. I'm looking at this. I've just put this in show notes. Um, the um, Rational Wiki, they have, their list of cognitive biases is even longer than the one on Wikipedia, I think. And it's really, really fascinating. So much stuff. It's like, this is basically, this could be my bio, this entire page. It's really good. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot, a lot of good stuff in here. Um, yeah, but the, so, well, we probably lost in all that a while back. Uh, it's, it's difficult to know how we're going to change in the future for reasons beyond the obvious there's the obvious reasons of you know you don't know what kind of stuff is going to randomly happen to you in the future but the part that is actually more predictable if if no less uh uh specific is that it's difficult to know like all what all different vectors are going to change that you don't have any control over because you don't even know about them yet so so the me of 1999 would have thought like i say i would have thought it's crazy to think that there's a future where i'll spend three dollars on a 40 minute tv show which already in my head when i say that out loud that sounds pretty silly but like there's so many conditions that have changed since then you know what i mean it's or, or for that, let's put it a different way, like Adventure Time. Like, would I have imagined that I'd be a 47-year-old man watching a, watching a cartoon and paying right. for it? Right. That, that's really hard to predict because there were so many different vectors I didn't have any control over. And I think, you know, to, to the typical back-to-work stuff, I think that explains a lot about why we guess wrong about how things are going to turn out. In addition to all these wonderful cognitive biases. But, like, I think one of the biggest ones, when, when we try to think about 
you know, there's stuff that I said probably a year ago that I take back. I remember doing, I think I was doing an interview with John Roderick a few years ago where he'd been on a panel uh, at a music conference and this, <laughs> he, this, this one of the women on the uh, panel said that she learns most, most, she mostly learns about new music from her phone. And, and John nearly fell off his chair. It was the funniest thing he'd heard in his life. Cause to him, I think at the time, this is at least five years ago, probably more that sounded like that would have been like essentially like saying like, I pick up the phone at home and I learn about a new song. Right. Like it sounds so strange. Like who listens to music on their phone? Yeah. And everything, everything, for example, before an iPhone, everything I did with listening on a phone in particular, not so much with an MP3 device, but the idea of an MP3 player on your phone did not exist at that point. On like an old Samsung, like a clamshell phone that I had, like you could, you could put MP3s on there. I have a, a is it a Garmin Nuvi that you can put MP3s on. It's right, really right. Clear. This is like a this is a GPS thing that's going to suction cup mount to your car that like you could put music on that and listen to it. That's yes. so weird. It's so mounted, weird. You go and mount it with a mini USB and then you're able to drag one at a time, drag those things on there. There's no real metadata or anything. It's basically just a folder full of files that you can that you can play. I don't know. I, I just um I'm not sure how we ever got onto this. I guess talking about the future of the entertainment stuff. But it's it's so difficult to guess how it's going to turn out because all we really have to go on is what we feel strongly about right now and what has happened in the past. And when we try and trace those trend lines, I think it's it's I, I don't have any advice about this because I don't I think it's a difficult problem to get out of, but um I don't think there's any way and again I, I would I really recommend checking out that that podcast. Um, you're not so smart because they, they address this in, in much better detail than I can. But, you know, it's, it's, it, when we think about the past, it's easy enough to see what's happened in the past because we can draw the trend lines right up to today and it makes sense. But even as soon as trying to draw, draw something like a year out from now, it's nearly impossible to do, you know? And, uh, and so even for a company like, well, think about this, think about like where we are with, with mobile phones today. Like we don't have a phone at our house. I don't have a phone at my office. Like right. that would be so strange to me. Um, but think about all the money that all those carriers put in to all of that infrastructure in the 1980s. Think about everything that went into like getting better long distance. You know, obviously that's had some impact engineering wise on what's happened today. But you know, I don't know. It's 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 kind of hard not to be freaked out about the future, given how little you can really know about it. And I, you know, for a company like, like an HBO or whatever, they're not just going to wake up one day and like bury their old business model and say, okay, well, from now on, we're going to make these shows and we're going to just drop whatever $20 million into the show. And then you guys will be able to buy it if you feel like it. And that's, that's going to be our model from now on. It's, it's going to take a super long time. Yeah, there's, it's, it, it really, and that's, but in a way it's kind of interesting. It's kind of fun because we're seeing things change in a big way in, you know, the internet when it came out, which we both remember, you know, the, there was like, Oh, there's this thing called the internet. And it was again, back to the quick adoption versus a slow, like it was really like people had AOL and then like, there was this other thing called the internet and what is slip and PPP and you know, that's weird. And it was just such a gradual thing. And I like, I remember when, there was this turning point when everybody that I knew had finally gotten an email address and, and, and they didn't always check it, but they had one. And I remember like I would send something to somebody in an email and people, it wasn't that they checked their email every day. They checked it every week. 
You know, <laughs> like that was something. Well, I do that on Sundays. Absolutely. Yeah. It, like it was, how it was weird something... is that? My kids are, are on the, you know, like even through just an iPad or whatever, but like they understand it at six. They understand this thing that it took, you know, it took our parents decades to get, you know, the, the close, the analogy that comes straight to mind, which is not, a, not a, it's an imperfect analogy, but, um, like imagine if you had a way, uh, silly, but imagine you had a way to pull out your phone, hit a couple buttons and a cantaloupe appeared and you'd say, how did that happen? <laughs> you go, well, I just went shopping. You go, blah, 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 blah. I don't understand. Cause that's about what it was like. It used to yeah. be that doing something on the internet was a session. It was a job. It was not a job. Right. Like, it, was, like it was, it was, it was a task. The way you go to the grocery store for your you food go to analogy the grocery store for your cantaloupe. Yeah. You would go and you would sit down if you got the time and you had the access and you could tell everybody, don't pick up the phone. I'm internetting. And so I got to go get on the, you got mail. You got to win the whole AOL thing. You do your, your deal with the, if the modem is working right, if the call quality is good, if your cords are good, again, back to that episode a week or two ago about being a hobbyist you had to kind of run all that you had to be your own little miniature sysadmin even even if you were just even if you were just doing AOL it wasn't that simple for a really long time but no precisely and 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 again now now think about that people were i got my first DSL um when i moved to San Francisco i don't think i had DSL over i mean i think i was i guess what i'm getting at i was still using a modem mostly in my laptop until I think maybe 2000 or 2001. And then I got DSL, which what uses your phone lines for high speed internet. Right. But we didn't get, I mean, we didn't get like cable until years after that. It was still something where you went and you sat down and did a thing. It was like going to the bathroom. Like you were doing it all the time. Yeah. It's, it's something, yeah. It's something that's really to me, just so interesting when you think that that was not that long ago no it was really recent when that shift happened of i have a computer i'm going to plug it into the phone line and dial out and do some things and then i'm done and okay you can use the phone again if you need to (laughs) like that wasn't weird like that was a thing and if you had more than one other person in your house or your apartment like who could pick up the phone like they would pick, you could be doing something and they would pick up the phone. Like, oh, the, yeah. And you what is start all this? the download. Yeah. You, you, it was not a resumable download. No. You would have to go and, uh, and, and start all over again. And forget something that was like a mag in size. Like that you're never going to get that. You'll never get that. Well, as long as we're closing out this old man episode, yeah. uh, back to work. I, um, I, you know, I, I plugged in my iPhone. I wanted to grab uh, a picture off my phone. So I plugged my phone into, uh, <laughs> so strange into my Mac pro and popped up iPhoto. And, uh, yesterday, uh, we do this little thing at night where we call it nighttime walk. So after bat dinner and bath, we go and we take a little walk and pick up trash in the park and just walk around. And, uh, I just, I just shot a photo of my daughter walking around in the park. You know, I did it in burst mode and I took, <laughs> and this is just on my phone, on my phone. I, I took like nine photos of her that look exactly the same. And each one was 2.3 megs. And for some, I don't know why this happens to me like three times a year. Yeah. I'm not that much of an old man, but I sat there and I looked at all of this stuff coming up on my, on my, uh, my, uh, this two terabyte drive. And I watched and, and I just happened to, uh, it's one of those moments where, uh, flash out of the corner of my eye. I see that this thing was, this photo was over two megs. Right. 
And like, I don't know. That's still like when I think about like going out and buying those floppy disks and, you know, punching out the hole on them and, and you know, and, and turning it into a double density so that you get what a one, 1.4 instead of an 800, something like that. What was it? No, no. There's the 800. <laughs> there's the 800s. Right. The 400s could be made into 800s right. by flipping the, the dingus, yeah. right? But anyway, I don't know. It's just, it, it really, it has been so fast. But it, it, what's, just to wrap up, I guess, the, the part that never goes away, though, and I'll do some more research on this for, for next time, but is like, we, even as fast as that gets, and even as we have all of this unlimited access, I have access to all the information in the world, and I can't find out the name of this confirmation bias. Right. Or this uh, cognitive bias. Um, it, we still don't get any better at predicting the future. We still don't get any better at this, at figuring out how long it will take to do something. We still, all of these basic problems don't get any better. And in fact, turns out, because everything is going so much faster, we're actually getting worse at it. Because we think we really understand how this one thing's going to work now, and then we don't. Right. And it's uh, it's harrowing, actually. It's just something we should all be extremely scared of. Yeah, I mean, we're fear fear-mongering. Yes. Yeah. Now you want to button this up, Dan? Yeah, we can button this up, sure. Okay. I love you. Love you too, Merlin Man. 